0: Hello everyone and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas and the extended congregation of this church, as well as to all of our Saints Network family. We are really walking in some cataclysmic moments in the history of the world, and the timetable of God is being enacted in ways that are simply phenomenal, and, you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the... um, you know the events that are occurring and there seems to be something new just about every day but we must be a people as saints and as those that the Bible would classify as spiritual that is a biblical term in this in the New Testament it comes from the Greek word pneumatikos which means that you're not just a surface individual you are someone who has been rooted in the deeper things of the Spirit of God. And this is why Paul said, you know, you want to have uh, the pneumaticos people and the prophets be able to verify things that happen. And this was a this was a designation that is listed throughout the Scripture. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of James when if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, pneumatikos, you go and restore such an one with a spirit of meekness, watching yourself that you don't fall into a similar thing. And so a pneumatikos person in that instance is someone who understands what's really going on by virtue of the scripture, by virtue of experience, by virtue of what God has illuminated for you, and you, you go to restore based upon a divinely revealed knowledge and understanding that is beyond the norm. And you have to do it with meekness, which means you don't go in your own strength and in your own, your own predetermined set of preferences and responses because you, if you if you do that, you could also be overtaken. And So, sometimes I use these terms knowing that we have established them for decades now. And in fact, our entire publishing arm is known as Pneumatikos Publishing. And even today, you know, people look at that and they say, what is that? That's weird. But it's throughout the New Testament. It may not be in the King James or the Fire Bible or the... You know, what's what's happening now, Bible, or whatever the latest Bible is. But it's there in the original. And, of course, um, hoping that you still haven't ripped those out of your Bible, going after a more progressive view, um, it's there for you to see. So, we as Pneumatikos people need to be viewing what's going on around us in conjunction with our ongoing pursuit of prayer, yes, we need to be informed, but we don't need to necessarily um, absorb the opinions of the people who are informing you know it's, it's so often it's what we used to say about the scripture you know some people when I remember when I first came here um there was a guy who carried around a Dake Bible. And I thought Dake's writings were really interesting for the from the standpoint of his commentary that was on the side of the Scripture. But there are some people who, who believed that commentary was equal with the Scripture. And there was a guy in uh, this church who had become born again during the time that I was pastor. And he got a hold of the Dake Bible, and I could not finish a teaching without him coming up to tell me what Brother Dake said. And I'd had just about enough of it, because I had a Dake Bible, and I read these things, and it was just information for me. Some of it was really stirring, but most of it was, you know, it was adjunct commentary. And I recognized that. I certainly didn't believe that it was equal to the Scripture. So I started, I I knew that Frank was going to do this, so before I taught on anything, I would always look at what Dake said, and if there was some startling viewpoint, I would just reference it. And I could tell that I had removed a, a, a major plank in this guy's identity, and I noticed that he wasn't coming up to, to try to add to my message every time. But, you know... I say that for the standpoint of saying we need to look at what's happening and submit those things to the Lord as we pray and we need to be very careful that we don't uh assume the narrative that goes along with those insights <clears throat> making the narrative or the opinions equal to what is uh, is an actual occurrence pneumaticus people have to be willing to do what the scripture says is a diacrino to to judge things to lay it all out and to make assessments and see that's the problem we have the enemy right now is and he's been doing this and for one thing i'm thankful that we're seeing what's been happening it's been hidden, but it's suddenly pouring out into our streets. People who want to rewrite history or, or who want to establish their own history and say that, you know, we have sources that are incontrovertible. It kind of reminds me of that movie, The Knights, A Knight's Tale, where uh, the black prince got up and said, I have personal historians that have affirmed this for me, and such it is incontestable. And all the people looked. You know, there there's some things that are being said right now uh, that are just absolutely not historically correct. There was one that is part of a major plank of the liberal viewpoints called the 1619 Project. And they're asserting that the United States entered into the revolution in order to preserve the right to have slaves and our American Revolution. And they have these uh, historians who have said this, but nobody knows who these historians are, and nobody, you can't debate them because they're all hidden there. But what they said is being held as gospel. It doesn't matter whether about nine of the greatest historians of of American history put an op paper together to say, show us where this is. This has never been the case. It's not true, it's not factual, and we, we are, we're asking for an open discussion regarding this. Oh, no, 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 we can't do that. we can't do that. So that revisionist history is being asserted as fact, and there are people who are believing it. So we have to be really careful today that we don't accept facts, quote-unquote, that are really not, truth you know it started we we heard in her murmurs about you know our truth you know everybody has their own truth let's give them a chance to speak their truth well it's using truth was 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 ridiculous because there's only one truth there's only one truth we should have said give us your opinion everybody has their own opinion i remember joe green saying that when the Steelers were winning Super Bowls in the 70's and uh, somebody came up to him and quoted a a, a newspaper article about what they think thought was going to happen in a Super Bowl and Joe Green famously said well that's their opinion everybody has opinions and he said opinions are like and he went on and it was really funny that from a North Texas graduate well, it used to be Texas State, um, and a, still a resident of, of the Dallas area, and a true Steeler. So, um, there are a lot of things that God is saying to us today, and if we just open our eyes, the scriptures, as God leads us, reveal things that are really happening, that are influencing what's going on in the natural. Now, on this past Sunday, I spoke about a number of night visions that God had given to me. And uh, I talked about how that what I had seen and experienced really lined itself up with what Leviticus, Leviticus talks about regarding um, leprosy and cleansing Uh, pronouncing the leper cleansed and then secondly letting there be a a, a reintroducing of the leper into the the body public of of israel and to be able to to function in the spiritual capacities that everyone was supposed to be functioning is as the people of god and since that time i've really prayed about this, that God would continue to reveal what this means, what the vision means for our ongoing move as saints. And early Monday morning, God began to talk to me about King Uzziah. And we all know the story about Uzziah and how that God smote him um, with leprosy. And I kept thinking throughout the prayer time, throughout the points of ministry that go on up here in the booth. um, And it just was was really there. And so since Monday and then Tuesday, I was still praying about why God was laying this on my heart. And which brings us to the message today. There's no teaching sheet. And we're going to look at several passages of scripture, and we're going to talk about the principle of God judging people with leprosy, what brings it about, and what, what then are the ramifications of it. And I think that when we finish this study, you're going to see direct ramifications of this principle in our world right now, uh, to me, it's undeniable, and hopefully, see a solution. So, and the fact that the Lord's talking about this now is is a great um, is a great benefit to us because it shows that we're on the verge of seeing breakthrough. Uh, that's what God does. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. God leads us through things. Now we're founded in the Word. We judge everything by the Word, but He leads us through encounters and He leads us through the valley of of um, of experience and um, battle and contestings. And through that then we we then come to an understanding that can open up the scripture in a broader way than we knew. Now, if you're one of those people that just every time you have a struggle, you want everybody to pray for you that's lifted off and you fire off a couple of scud verses at it, you just want it gone. You don't want to learn anything. You don't want to walk with God through the valley. You want to skip from promise to fulfillment. You want to take that sky ride like we took from uh, down in, in Rio de Janeiro um, from the famous James Bond movie. It's one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see. You go to Sugarloaf. And it's it's just it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. But a lot of people want to take that faith sky ride and avoid the valley altogether. And what you do there is you you rob yourself of growth. You rob yourself of the place of closeness with God in that valley. And you rob yourself of victory. You rob yourself of actually defeating the the enemy, the giants, and defeating those that are. Uh, lurking in the valley of the shadow and um, I I believe that God has allowed us to walk through some really unusual things but God's been speaking to us throughout and the fact now that he's beginning to bring solution verses is is a powerful thing it's wonderful but it also sets the stage for what we're supposed to be doing once we emerge from this valley and um, so, I hope you have your Bible with you. What is the title of this message? Well, I I am saying that it's incensed. Um, this is kind of a funny word. We use it some in English. We say, "Man, he was really incensed," <laughs> which means he was he or she was fuming, and if you look real close, you could see the smoke rising off their head. That's kind of a funny funny word but incense really speaks about the role of incense and how it plays as a factor in um, in this whole business of leprosy now we know let's establish first of all that incense as we've studied in the scriptures has a fourfold ingredient list and that speaks of the way God moves in intercession I'm not reteaching that today, but that's what it is. And incense is the prayers of the saints. And incense, according to Revelation 8, where it, David said it, and here John says it, uh, that incense is offered on the the, uh, the altar in heaven, and it rises before the Lord. You can read that. it's It's right there in the scripture, Revelation 8. Um so anytime we're talking about incense we see it from the broader perspective of our relationship with God and how we uh how we pray according to his purpose those four ingredients speak of you accepting the burden of the Lord you becoming crushed and uh, available during all times of the day and night and your your objective is to blend it into the white truth of God's ways the fulfillment of God's ways um so incense is not just you pray and oh God bless Aunt Nellie today and bless my dad you know help my little sister Mary to get a new doll you know help them to be able to have favor over here i mean that's good that's petition prayer i oh, we appreciate being able to do that but true intercession from a supplication standpoint is going after what is on God's heart what he's wanting to do you become that kind of prayer and you emerge as a, a prophetic voice that is able to be of use to God you're you're proactive you're prophetic and not reactive now, when I was growing up and pastoring for many years most of our prayers were reactive we prayed because there was a problem. We prayed because there was a need. And we were always putting out fires with our prayers. Instead of using prayer for what it is in, in, integrally designed to do, you're partnering with God. And then you, you turn the cart around. You're not going backwards. You're going forwards. You're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things added are added. And Jesus said, you know, don't be concerned with this or with that. Your father knows what you have need before you ask. And so um, that whole principle of supplication is involved with the the ingredients of incense. So incense is very much a part of what we're going to look at today. But we begin in Exodus chapter 4. Again, we're talking about leprosy and we're talking about why it might appear from God and what, how to prevent it and how to bring solution for it. But here's Moses in Exodus 4. He's meeting with God prior to his going into Egypt. Now verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say that Yahweh has not appeared unto you. Yahweh said unto him, What is it that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. Moses fled before it, from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, Put forth your hand, take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto you. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand unto his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe you, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass that if they will not believe under these two signs, neither hearken under thy voice that you will take water of the river, pour it on the dry land, and the water which you take out of the river shall become blood upon the dry ground. Now, what, what is all that? Pretty theatrical. Well, the first thing is that when you're going to go forth as a deliverer you have to be doing under the authority of the Lord the rod represents that authority that you utilize on behalf of what God commands the tail at the end of Moses ministry on earth he got in trouble for using that rod wrongly disobediently in a lack of faith But you have to know that if you're going to be a deliverer on behalf of the Lord, you have to submit yourself to to the rod of the Lord and representing it. And it will bring victory over any enemy influence and any ensconced or entrenched uh, opposition from the enemy camp that is there and the second thing is the leprous hand in the bosom you know Moses was um, supposed to be um, somebody that would um, would nurture the nation to draw them near and to rest in the, the the bosom of commune with God and to trust in what God had commanded you know the breastplate is there what God had commanded in his in his judgment and his burning what God had commanded in righteousness and um, when he pulls his hand out and it's leprous that indicates that there's an issue with within the camp of that kind of commune and following. The first one had to do more with standing on behalf of the people in an outward way. The second had to do with what was going on in the people and in their relationship or lack thereof with Moses and that produced leprosy. And when those two things... Are in place then there can be victory and if those two are not followed you know the rod and proper relationship and obeisance to the leader God has put in you or, or on your behalf then the plagues come that's that's what comes next the plagues and you need to see that because we're going to see it again here in in just a couple of minutes The second uh, passage is found in Numbers 12. And for the sake of time, you can look it up for yourself. It's not that I'm not reading the scripture. But you can look it up and read it. You know this story. The people of God came through the Red Sea. Miriam had her tambourine. She was singing. Aaron was there. Moses was singing. Everybody was happy. And then right after that, when they were about to embark, arguably toward the land of promise and we know what happened to keep them from that Miriam and Aaron start finding fault with Moses and they don't like what he's doing with his Ethiopian wife and who she is and we know she from the other passages the few passages we have that she uh, she was kind of a she was kind of a firebrand um, and that's that's really putting it mildly, but um, they were picking at Moses, and God smote Miriam with what leprosy, leprosy, and suddenly Aaron. Why didn't He smite Aaron? Because Aaron was in a priestly robe. He had, you know, he he was somewhat under covering. But Aaron gets spooked. He sees that happen to Miriam. And, you know, the jury's out on whether he was really concerned about Miriam or whether he thinks, man, I'm next. I was in those conversations. He cries out to Moses. And Moses cries out to God. And God says, if her father had spit in her face, she'd still have to be outside the camp for seven days. Seven days. Isn't that interesting? That's the first... Factor of the cleansing of the leper. And um, it's, it's part of that. Seven days represents the ways of God. But anyway, she's put outside the camp. God takes the leprosy away. But what brought the leprosy? Those two coming after Moses. For what? Well, they just found fault with him. Moses had just brought them through out of 400 plus years of slavery, he brought them across the Red Sea. And immediately this nonsense comes. Um, God brings leprosy. Now the next one is found in Second Chronicles. And this is our buddy Uzziah. Now for those of you who forget, Uzziah was an amazing king. He became king at 16 years old. He was inventive. He was creative. He brought the people of God into a point of prominence, and all the nations around knew it. And um, Uzziah was the father of Jotham, who was the father of Ahaz, who was the father of Hezekiah. And all of these kings ruled during the time that Isaiah was the prophet. You remember that. So, let's read this. Isaiah 26, verse 14. Verse 14. Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows, and slings to cast stones. He made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal somewhat of a trebuchet. And his name spread far abroad. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord, his God, And uh, went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, and for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor." from the Lord God. And Uzziah was wroth. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Of course, we know that Uzziah then was basically ruling in seclusion. His son Jotham became the co-regent. And the people were just despairing because of this now without going into all of the history of this you know you had uh, you had times where Moses burned incense you had times where David would convene and ask for for this incense was basically burned in the morning and in the evening through the Levitical law but um, Uzziah was basically breaking The stream of authority that God has established. And so it was bad for the people to come against the leader, uh, but it was also bad for him to come against God and God's ordinance. And so leprosy came. On the priest's forehead was something that said, Holy is unto the Lord. And uh, Uzziah developed leprosy right in that place on his own forehead so he gets leprous he he gets develops leprosy the connection with incense and god god judges him you know one time here um we had a heartbreaking instance and it was rebellion some people don't like me saying rebellion but rebellion is as rebellion does I'm sure Forrest Gump's mom said that sometime soon after her other famous word that begins with an S um, but somebody said that because I went up and onto the platform and sang from time to time that I was like Uzziah burning incense and the point was that the person who said this was beloved and um, just was getting sideways with the authority structure and the enemy was all over it and the very thing that God was warning him about he accused me of and that was a sad story but here you see the issue of incense and leprosy Um, God um, God judged Korah and his followers in Numbers chapter 16 They came famously before Moses and said you take too much on yourself Moses you we hear from God just like you do and uh, You know this was a, a, a mainstream of murmuring which destroys people in the wilderness the scripture says and they you know, God tried to remedy it with the Aaron's rod that budded, as opposed to all the other rods of the tribal leaders. But here these guys are with incense, with censers in their hands. And they say, God has anointed us, and we are just able to do whatever it is that you're doing. It was, It was really a satanic type of a thing. Satan... Iniquity, evil, injustice was found in him. He he didn't like being under God. He didn't like what God was saying. He was going to be equal to God. I will be like the Most High. And so here it is. God calls them together and Moses and Moses is meek and Moses is on his face. And God causes the earth to open up and swallow Korah and all of those people who were rebelling and the weird thing is that even after the people saw that happened the rest of the people were murmuring against Moses and what did God do he brought a plague upon the people right then and there and do you remember what the solution was well you can read it for yourself Moses looked to God and God said cause Aaron To put incense in his censer, and to go through the camp, and the plague will be stayed. You got to let all of that settle in for a moment. You know, there was a time when Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, in um, Leviticus 10, God's fire was falling and. Those two boys who were sons of Aaron ran around and collected the fire and they burned incense. Strange fire, they called it, but it was really strange because they did not have the right to utilize what God had sent for, a, for his purpose. Yeah, they were sons of Aaron. Yeah, they had priestly censers. Yeah, they even had incense, but it was not what God wanted. And God sent fire and destroyed them. This is very, very interesting to me. Very interesting. Um, because I think that part of what let's 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 reiterate what we've learned so far before I try to apply this. We see that. Moses had the sign from the Lord about the bosom, his bosom, and a leprous hand. Miriam and Aaron rebel against Moses. Leprosy comes. Now, let's talk about that. Why didn't God smite Pharaoh with leprosy? Well, because Pharaoh was under the Kabab of God. He was a leader. He was not part of the tribes of Israel. He was not under Moses under Moses um, uh, authority chain. And so God brought those plagues. He brought plagues, mind you and um, but he didn't bring leprosy because it's it's really an issue of being out of alignment with what God wants and out of alignment with his authority structure and out of alignment with the proper utilization or lack thereof of incense which is the prayers of the saints before God which aligns with what God is wanting to do that perhaps hasn't happened yet Uzziah he God wanted to move mightily I mean, Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. God wanted to do incredible things in that reign. And, you know, just as, you know, deliverance was coming right after Moses and the leprous hand, um, the, uh, the, the time of Uzziah's reign was supposed to have been... A magnificent triumph for the kingdom both spiritually and physically Isaiah went and talked to Uzziah's grandson and Ahaz says you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shaal before God I'm not gonna ask God I don't trust him and um, you know it's it's an incredible thing to to recognize that um, this business of leprosy seems to hit and the misuse of incense seems to hit right before God is going to do a next phase of magnificent flow. What about Miriam? I mean, the objective was not to put a whooping on Egypt. The objective was not to bring the people out. The objective was for them to go into the land of promise and to f- fulfill that partnership with God. That was the objective. It goes as far as what the church normally does. Let's get everybody born again. Well, that's great. We, you've got to come out of sin. You've got to be established before God. But what God wants then is for you to go into, into promise. He wants you to take the land. He wants you to be a covenant partner that welcomes his kingdom. He doesn't want you just there on the banks of the river jumping into the water, singing about the river, and playing the tambourine. He wants you to go forth in purpose. And that was what murmuring continually destroyed a generation. And God showed that leprous sign there. Um, And so, you see, in the case of... um, in the case of um, Uzziah, the people went into mourning, and it it was it was years before they really began in in Hezekiah's reign to see God move in ways that were miraculous. Um, you see, this plague that comes after Korah rose up. And so I I bring this to you. This is to have been and is a year of wisdom and of great breakthrough. And there's breakthrough happening. We are laboring. We're working harder now than we would have been had things gone on as we had planned in scheduling for this year. But God wants to move and we've seen rebellion we've seen people that have done cora like things we've seen they people that have done Miriam like things we've seen um, the bosom attacked we've seen um, in the natural realm in the geopolitical realm we've seen so many types of rebellions across the world that have it just just on an, an unparalleled scale. And um, it's still here. I mean, I, I'm, again, I'm not going to get into politics, but you see rebellion, and it is, call it what it is, whether you label it something else or not, that's what it is. And I I believe that at a time when God has ordained for this world to see a mighty move of his spirit, rebellion, uh, satanic iniquity, um, murmuring, violence in the land, anarchy, lawlessness, um, just disrespect for authority and and god always honors his leader um i i see this plague that's sweeping the world as a spiritual response to all of that and we've never seen anything like that you know you talk about the spanish flu i guess it's not racist to say the spanish flu that hit back during the the very tail end of world war one and it came to the world. But it, it really didn't go across the world. It didn't go everywhere. You can look it up yourself. Um, it had devastating effect, but it wasn't everywhere. This pretty much is worldwide. And I think that it's a sign from God. And I think the root of it is Satan trying to stage his ultimate worldwide ploy according to the timetable of God, um, to upstage God, to be like the Most High, to have everybody take the mark and lay on their face before the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist, and then the dragon. You see that. Now, what I also know, and we've said about the enemy, is that He always tries to change the times, and usually that means that he's trying to preempt what God has ordained to do, or try to shortchange the the day because the night is coming. There's a lot more that God is wanting his people to do. There's a lot more that he has ordained for us to accomplish before the night comes when no man can work. And... The enemy's trying to shorten that. This year of wisdom was supposed to be that. And is that. And God is going to accomplish everything he ordained to accomplish. But we as pneumatics people need to recognize the solution. What is the cause of this? What is the cause of this COVID business? It's rebellion. It's coming against authority. It's coming against what God has ordained agreements that were made um, it's coming against leadership it's coming against truth and it's it's very creative it's very addictive and you you've had people that are major denominations that are basically discarding the Bible and in Believing doctrines of devils and, and the opinions of men more than the opinions of the Bible, and deconstructing everything that is a foundational root. We've seen that for for years now and it's continuing. You see in our universities what's been being taught and not taught. you know, we've heard rumors of it, we've been warned about it, but now we're seeing it spill out into our streets. And you know it's 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 rebellion. It, it's coming against the things that are, that are factual and those that represent them. That's a communist Marxist strategy. Now, you, you might say, well, aren't there some things that need to be reformed? Well, heavens, yes. That's the way people grow. You, you see things, you know, we're being perfected. You know, the Bible says, if you say you're without sin, you lie. We are continually being perfected. From glory to glory, we're changed. You know, God said to Israel, I'm not going to remove the enemies in the land. You're still, you're going to have to fight so that you don't forget the principles of how to continue to grow and develop. So yes, there are things that need to be changed. I've seen a lot of change in my lifetime. Thank God for it. There, there are more things that God wants to do, but the way you change is not through anarchy and lawlessness. And then others will say, "Well, you know," uh, and I, again, I'm walking a fine line here. What, how Dietrich Bonhoeffer, before Germany plunged into the pit, what was it right for people to come against Hitler? and the National Socialist Party. Well, of course it was right to withstand that. Hitler was disbanding the laws and the rules that were firmly set for people. Uh, He was writing his own uh, through violence and through vitriol. He was establishing his own laws. And those were not agreed upon by the people. And they were wicked. So it was right to stand up against that. What laws aren't we following today? Who's taking rights out of... I hear a lot of things. Oh, this person, these people are being persecuted and, you know, this group is not having their rights. Who's doing that? If I see anything, I see Christians are the ones who are being told, you don't have rights. You know, Howard Dean, remember the famous guy who ran for the Democratic presidential nomination and he thank god he gave up that goofy strange war whoop, <laughs> and that was viral and that doomed his that doomed his political candidacy well he wrote just the other day that christians are filled with hate and, and that's all they're good for and i'm paraphrasing but i'm really shortchanging what uh what he what he said um christians are the ones whose rights are being taken away you know nobody's saying that you can't live in sin. You know, you have a legal right to follow sin. And, but, you know, we have people who say, well, we want you Christians to say that it's not sin. And if you don't, you are, you are hateful and, and you are evil and wicked and we have to do away with you. So, you know, yeah, you should stand against Bonhoeffer. If the if the Bonho- Bonhoeffer should stand against Hitler, what about the the uh, Tiananmen Square um, rebellions against China many years ago? Well, the Chinese were taking away the rights of everybody, you know, and they still are. And I'm not talking about the Chinese people. I'm talking about the the government there, the communist government. And you know, there are millions of people in re repatriation camps right now and you know it's it's terrible and uh, we grieve over what is happening to Hong Kong but get ready that stuff there are people that want that here in our country and boy oh boy they're rolling down the line to bring it so it's not wrong to protest against wrongs but if you're just protesting because you don't like a leader and you're you're doing things not because somebody was wrongfully treated and their life was taken away. You just want to go bust up stuff. I heard Thomas Soul the other day in an interview, and he's an African-American, wonderfully skilled genius of a man. He's a bit older. I remember when he was a lot younger. Of course, if he knew me, he knew me when I was a lot younger. And he said, you know, we used to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He said, now what they're saying, if it ain't broke, let's break it. And that's ridiculous, but that's the mindset. You know, I I heard a mayor of one a beautiful city of Portland who said yesterday, you know, you people from DHS and from the federal government, you just need to stay in your buildings. Don't come out. You know, don't come out and cause violence when that city's in an uproar. You know, this is anarchy, and it's, it, it, at its heart, it's against divinely ordained rule of law. And in the spirit realm, this is satanic. It's what Satan, when evil was found in him, and God said, Moses, put your hand in your bosom. That's how the people relate to you as my authority. I've given you the rod. You're going to use that to defeat the enemy in Pharaoh. But what about my people? Well, there's going to be a leprous. And if they stay in right harmony, it won't be there. Uzziah, leprous. You came against what I ordained. Um, Korah and your buddies, the plague is coming because of what you did. And with your ins, with your censors in your hand, and the only thing that's going to stop it is, is the priests of God instituting as pneumaticus saints pure incense before God. And I, I think that that's going to be the solution. We need to pray like we've never prayed. Not against this, not against that, but lifting up the incense of the Lord. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the 30 days of silence that we're asking uh, for 30 minutes, or actually 31 days uh, in the month of July, for 30 minutes every day, offering a silence fast before God. And we looked in, um, in Revelation again 8, and there that incense was being offered before a visitation was released on the earth and then the seven trumpets were released on the earth we don't have a time frame for those two things but that seventh seal being opened and God doing what he wants to do that incense we're praying for the will of God to be done we're praying in diversities of tongues according to the mysteries of God and that stays the plague staying in right relationship with God honoring what he wants to do not getting crossways with what God has ordained and what leadership is. Those things will stay the plague. And the reason we've got plague across the world right now is an opposition of the enemy to the intercession of the saints that's being offered now throughout the world and will continue to be offered. Um, And um, the leprosy, that eats away at the body it eats away at what God has ordained in his structure that's why leprosy is there and so I know this is a big topic and you might ask well why were there so many lepers in Israel during the time of Jesus why did the priests have to go and restore the lepers. Why were they all there? Well, again, we studied a bit on Sunday morning about that oil and the restoration. We, if you also read there in Leviticus, you find the garment in the house with the red and the green, which speaks about. You know, we we've taught on this. I seem that I always have to say this because I'm not. I don't have time to to teach on it right now. But red to green is judgment to wormwood, and it separates the grace and supplication and the wisdom and revelation that God brings, which is the heart. It's the meat of the prayer sandwich, as it were. Forgive me for being so, I'm not hungry, I'm just saying that. But the enemy does not want there to be commune with God, partnering with him in grace for what he wants to do, and the revelation of how God wants to do it red to green shows that and God warns about those who would take judgment and turn it to wormwood that's the heart of leprosy because what's missing from it is true commune with God and what how we pray and commune with him on behalf of his mission and uh, how he then reveals what we're supposed to do in wisdom and going forth uh, that's the heart of what the temple was supposed to offer and that's still what God does today it's all about partnering with him so the heart of leprosy is you go against that plan of God you would go against what God's authority structure is you think you're bigger than that and whether you do it in secret and you try to say well we don't want to hurt them you know we we want to honor the leader but we're going to do whatever we darn well please and we're going to separate and we're going to we're going to deconstruct everything that the scripture says that we don't like and we're going to accept this new thing because we hear from God just as you do Moses now Uzziah I hear from you I'm inventive I'm witty um, your blessing is upon me, but I really don't like this priestly structure, and I'm going to go and do what I want to do. Well, you get in that way, and you are you're cruising for a, a leprosy bruising, and the plague follows. So, what do we do today? We align ourselves with God. We pray. We seek Him for His will to be done. We're Numatacos people. We we stay in the pathway. Of what's happening in heaven and we 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 act like we know something we act like we know something I'm not saying that pridefully and we stay in line we we stay in in harmony and if if I ever get up and say well you know the scripture says this but I have another revelation and let's just forget about what the scripture says and let's start doing this. You have my full permission to say, I'm, I bless you, Pastor, but I'm not walking in this. But I'm never going to do that. Because it's been honed into me from the time I was a little boy, from the foundation of the world even, that this word will never pass away. It is alive. And we're going to stay in harmony with it. And so the plague, what it's trying to do is demonstrate that the enemy has mobilized his people and they're coming against the plan of God. They're coming against what God is wanting. They're utilizing proskuneo. They're using, utilizing the, 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 the knee of Barak before the enemy. They're, they're uh, promulgating rebellion against authority. They're just wanting, as Thomas Sowell said, to break things. And we are standing on the eternal word that won't ever be broken. And we are partnering with our Heavenly Father. So we don't react in the natural. We move in the spirit. And this is what we must do. So at this point, we we observe ourselves. We repent. If my people who are called by name, my will humble themselves. How do you humble yourself? you align yourself with god it's not you just putting ashes on your head and sitting in sackcloth those are necessary those are powerful things but you're humbling yourself before god is saying i'm in alignment with you and with your structure that's humility that's that's the heart of meekness you pray you offer your tepila your palal what is it for the will of god to be done i will heal your land we need a revival of the church. I pray that this wakes up the church. I We need the people of God to begin to move on behalf of the deeper things of God. We need people to be on their face praying. We need to pray in diversities of tongues and believe God for what He wants to do. But we also need to repent for those who are not doing that. We need to repent that in our land and in the nations of this world, we need to repent before God for those that have partnered with the enemy and who just pow-mow assumed a rebellion. We need to repent of that, even though we've not done it. We need to ask God to forgive as Moses did. God, don't let her be taken. He didn't like what she said. She wasn't over there for seven days saying, you know, I have a right to say that, you know. And I've got a lot of people who believe that. And God's going to deal with them. But we need to ask God that the sin of this would be done, so that, be gone, so that and forgiven, so that God can heal and incense our prayers before God Is the remedy. So it's time for this. You know, God why didn't God bring this to us back in March? (laughs) Do you think we would have heard it? I think we've just about had enough of it. We've seen lots of stuff. We've prayed. God lets the enemy come in one way before he flees in seven. Remember? You know? We've seen, but it's time for this to be broken. And so let's remember that this isn't just some word. God's been speaking this to us. And the word is it's wonderful as it's in itself, but this is the root of the plague. This is why the body of Christ or what used to be the body of Christ has been eaten away through rebellion. This is why leprosy has hit denominations that were born out of the desire to, be, to, to repent and come into right relationship with God and to experience him and to methodically establish that as missionaries and apostles around the world. This is why that's being eaten up. We need to ask God to restore. Now, I say one last thing we move according to what God's doing we don't get ahead of God we don't try to say what's going to happen we're it's a walk of faith keep your eyes on where you are on the path the light that's on the path right in front of you at some point you just have to know for the scripture to be fulfilled after this great move there's still going to be a bunch of people that the enemy has recruited and they're going to be hardened And they're going to gain power, and they're going to try to wear out the saints. We we just have to know that, but we're not troubled by it. What we see is the breakthrough and what's coming uh, immediately ahead of us. And the, the solution is staying in right relationship with God, staying in harmony with the place where God has planted you, and offering pure incense before God. Not being like Korah, we hear from God just as you, not being like Miriam, I don't like what you're doing and I'm accusing you of all kinds of things, not being like those that murmured in the wilderness, not being like Nahab and Abihu, Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire, and not being like Uzziah. You see this thing? We could put that all together. You've got the principle as it's shown to Moses. You've got rebellion against that from people that are gifted within the camp. You've got those that are anointed as priests who think, well, I'm going to use this to do what I want to do. You've got a king who, who uh, just went off and thought, I'm bigger than God. I mean, all of those factors pretty much touch every place we are. But this plague's got to go, and the visitation of God's got to come. I, I know I'm a little bit past time, but we got a testimony, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Barreto from uh, Cabo Fria and we were supposed to have been many of you in Manaus in the heart of the rainforest in Brazil last week. And we couldn't get there because no flights were going in. He said that the pastor there went ahead and had meetings because he knew that that was a time frame that God established. He didn't have a full spate of meetings because, you know, they've, they've been ravaged by this. But he had meetings. He said that over 100 people came and accepted Christ in just the matter of hours. We thank God for that. God is moving in the, in the nations and amongst the saints. But we've got to do these spiritual things. And we've got to be the saints and the pneumatic people that God has called us to be. So, Father, I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over all of the saints, and I, I ask that you will use us in the ways that you have ordained to be your agents in the midst of this lost and literally dying world. I bless and encourage the people of God, and I pray that we will be all that you want us to be. So, I thank you for this, Father, and I ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Well, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for studying the Word with me. Let's be faithful, and let's see God arise and his enemies scattered. Till next time, God bless, and goodbye.